Hi and welcome to another episode of Seek Sustainable Japan. I'm your host, JJ Walsh, here in Hiroshima, Japan, where I am a sustainability-focused strategist and consultant. Today in the talk show, I'm speaking with Rob Moran on Inside Japan Tours. And they are a very sustainable-focused travel company. So it's really interesting and nice to talk to Rob about all the different strategies that this innovative business is using to stay ahead of the game and to stay competitive for when travel comes back. Uh, they have been going for over 20 years, uh, started by Simon King and Alistair Donnelly. Uh, there is a big uh, base in the UK, as well as uh, they do a lot of sustainability-focused tours, uh, self-catered tours or guided tours all in around Japan. Uh, there is uh, eight features, eight key features that I wanted to point out as how I really appreciate the kind of sustainable focus in travel that you guys are doing with Japan Inside Tours. Has that always been kind of an aim of the business from the foundation? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when our founders, Al and Simon, set up the business, um, it's always been about um, kind of connecting very, very closely with um, the people and places of Japan. Um, and so I think within that intrinsically, there's always been um, this kind of sustainability element. Um, I would say it's we've really kind of taken off with it um, and taken it to the next level um, ever since um, the, the pandemic. Um, we grew incredibly fast as a, as a business, particularly in the lead up to 2019. Um, the Rugby World Cup here was absolutely huge and we had so many clients out here um, and so right after that we kind of had the, the beginnings of the pandemic and suddenly kind of all travel ground to a halt almost immediately um, and uh, both Isn't our that, yeah. Can I just interject there? Isn't that funny to think that the Rugby World Cup was actually the last big international event to be held in Japan? Because at that time, everybody was really focused on the Olympics as going to be the major boom for tourism, but also the major international event here. But it really, looking back on it, we had no idea, but it really was the Rugby World Cup, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was supposed to be like the warm-up event to the Olympics, right, wasn't it? It was supposed to be these kind of two big events at the same time. Um, I mean, looking back, trying to be on, on the positive side of things, I'm just grateful that we at least had one of them that we could have people out for, because do you imagine if it had been a year earlier and we didn't have either of them? Um, so yeah. I'm so pleased that, yeah, lots of people got to, got to come out and, and kind of experience the World Cup. But um, yeah. And in terms of what you guys are trying to do, trying to encourage people to go off the beaten track, yeah. go all over Japan. I think the Rugby World Cup is a better representation of the kind of travel that you guys are trying to promote anyway. So great yeah. event for you guys to be a part of and helping people enjoy, right? Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, having yeah stadiums down in like Oita, up in Tohoku, things like that, we were able to kind of um, craft itineraries so that people could travel all around the country while experiencing um, rugby matches at the same time, which um, I think obviously the Olympics being Tokyo based would have been quite kind of Tokyo centric. So we were really pleased to have the opportunity to take people all around the, the country and see places that we, they probably would never have heard of or never have been to if there hadn't been a rugby match or, or something that we had wanted to, to take them to. Yeah. Uh, since this, this show is focused on sustainable Japan and hopefully building a more sustainable future in travel when future travel becomes possible, um, I'd love to talk about some of these eight points that I notice in how you are running the tours, how you are running your business, which I think is better than business as usual in terms of what I see around Japan and even travel agencies around the world. Uh, the first key focus is public transport. Yes, I think, um, I mean, Japan lends itself so well to that already. 
Um, and I think public transport is really key to understand. It's so key in like normal Japanese people's lives um, that why, and it's such a fun, and, and that's a perfect example of just being like a fun experience. It's all part of the experience of Japan. Um, I come from the UK where public transport is also a part of life, but I wouldn't describe it as fun or interesting potentially. <laughs> Whereas I think Japan really kind of does it so well um, that it can be an enjoyable experience. And um, so you're experiencing that, you're also on the same train with loads and loads of Japanese people the way that they would normally travel to work or travel to school or see their friends. Um, and so I think you really get to understand um, the local way of life. Um, and of course, it's so much less carbon intensive than having private buses and tours and, and things like that, uh, and private cars all the time. So um, we put a real emphasis on using as much public transport as we can in, in all our tours. Yeah, I mean, there's some beautiful areas which are off the beaten track, which you want to recommend, which are not that easy to get to by public transport. Uh, what What's your strategy in those cases? Um, I think it's yeah. I think hiring a hiring a hybrid car or something like that is is really really good for for those for those situations. So I'd say get as far as you can on the main public transport links. But when you do really want to get off the beaten track, Japan is a pretty easy country. I think for for people to drive in, um, very nice, well kept roads and things like that. Um, and yeah, we try and get get hybrid cars as as much as we can for for clients. So. Um, that's what I would recommend to people who who want to go really off the beaten track. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. And I'm so excited to see that we're seeing more hybrid cars and maybe even all electric cars from this year. Um, I would love to see that in rental agencies across Japan. Uh, whenever there's a hybrid option, I always, if I have to rent a car, I always choose that. I drive an all electric and I know that charging around Japan is actually really easy and pretty straightforward, especially if you have the GPS marked on your on your apps or whatever you're using, right? Yes, yeah, I think I'm really looking forward to getting more um, yeah, electric vehicle um, infrastructure and stuff around because it would make, I think, an even more enjoyable experience for people traveling around as well, right? So, yeah. And uh, now that Japan has the rule by 2030 that no all gas cars are going to be sold, this is this is quite a major change. So uh, Toyota and the major companies were kind of resistant at first, but it seems like everybody's all in now. Um, Toyota is going to launch 10 different kinds of all electric vehicles sometime this year and next year. So there's going to be really big changes. Uh, I've heard there's more electric car chain charging stations in Japan than gas uh stations so it is the whole infrastructure is also changing really fast exciting yeah i think when japan is so good at once they have got something set up they're so good at just kind of really rolling it out in in such a really fast and consistent way so i really hope we see the same with electric vehicle infrastructure yeah exciting i think we're going to see big changes in technology and infrastructure this year uh whether we will see the borders open or not fingers crossed but we have to make sure it's safe right to do so um i before we talk about the other points i love these updates that you guys have been doing on uh what it's like in japan right now during the coronavirus so this is uh, in Kyoto, these streets are usually so busy. This is a good time if you're in Japan anyway to go and explore some of the more famous sites, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we have actually had a few few clients contact us who are already in Japan um, and we've been able to kind of put last minute itineraries together for them and everything. And we obviously have our, our insiders, so our, our tour leaders who are already based in, in Japan. Um, and despite not having clients, lots of us are are loving being able to kind of explore places which are usually as you said heaving so um it's nice to kind of been able to to give people a different side of japan that they, they might not have seen before with yeah more deer than people in nara for example 
Yeah, that was a great insight. And also, you know, I've noticed this as well. Um, the shrines and temples, when you go in, you usually wash your hands on the way in. And I've noticed this innovation as well. They're making individual spouts. So you're not sharing the ladles. You're not touching the same things as other people. It's definitely an innovation because of coronavirus. It's nice to see. Yeah, I love the, all the little things that that, that shrines and, th and people come up with, like um, little inventions to to kind of keep people safe and everything. So, yeah, I think it kind of adds to the um, intrigue of, of shrines and things like that, doesn't it? And still, it's yeah. quite natural as well. It does. It does. When I when I went back to a shrine recently, I noticed this, and so I was able to wash my hands and purify on the way in. It's also good for hygiene and stopping the spread of germs. Um, but I didn't realize it at first because it seemed like something that really fit there. Like it was almost like it had always been like that. And then I had to think about it and be like, oh, that's new. You know, <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love how they use bamboo and things like that in so many creative ways in, in gardens and things like that. Um, there's some fantastic gardens in Rikugien in, in Tokyo and all of their um, like bins and everything and all of their wells are all covered with this kind of bamboo. Um, and you'd have no idea that it's like a man-made like structure. Um, it just blends in so well. So yeah, I love, I love the little creations that, that people come up with. Yeah, I always, uh, when I talk to destination managers or uh, talking about travel with businesses, I always say, let's think about bamboo options instead of the plastic cones, perhaps, you know, like there's too much plastic or banners. But when you see it done really well, like in a more traditional aesthetic, using bamboo, using wood, using straw, it yeah. just looks that much better for overall image and perception of quality, right? So it's definitely yeah. worth making the effort. 100%, yeah. Another thing you guys have been doing is talking about uh, vaccinations and, and how things are rolling out here. I love this insight from one of your insiders, uh, Robert Kodama, who did a, a snapshot of the vaccination center, but also talking about how because this is Japan, of course, people were selling bentos outside and, you know, like how that's different from maybe a vaccination center in other countries, right? Yeah, exactly. I think um, it's really interesting. I mean, COVID has kind of taken over so much of our lives and kind of getting vaccinated and, and things like that is people are doing it all over the world. And so it's really nice to kind of share the Japanese experience. Um, and kind of most of our insiders like Robert and myself are, are from, uh, kind of from the UK or from the US and places. So we've been speaking to friends and family back home and kind of been interested to hear their experience. Um, so it's kind of been nice to kind of share the the Japanese experience of how Japanese people are, have been making it through the through the pandemic because no one else has really been here to see that. So and there's only so much you can see from news reports and things. So um, it's yeah. nice to kind of yeah still show daily. Yeah, and as a travel business, it's a nice insight for people who really want to come here and travel but just can't get here right now, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I mean, beyond the the um, updates that we've been doing on the website, we've also been doing been doing virtual tours as well. Um, so, kind of taking people um, through the streets of Osaka and Kyoto and um, Kamakura and Tokyo and places like that, um, which we've had yeah really really great feedback from from people on. So, um, that's been another another great way to to kind of show people. Um, what life is like at the moment when they can't actually be here. Yeah, that's great. Uh, doing virtual tours has been kind of a new thing since 2020. Um, but it's great to hear that you guys are doing that. And one of the other uh, points that I was going to talk about is how you collaborate with so many local guides. So if you don't have your own staff, uh, you would have a local guide that you would suggest if someone wanted to go to that area and maybe that's somewhere you don't cover. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, we have some of our own staff who are based in, in Kansai, in Kanto as well. Um, and when we go kind of further afield, um, there, I mean, there are so many interesting places in Japan, but I feel like if you don't have um, someone to kind of 
show you what's beneath the surface, you don't actually realize it's there a lot of the time. Um, I mean, that photo right there uh, of, it's just such a famous photo of like Fushimi Inari, um, but you would have no idea what's written on the, on all the, the Tory gates, would you, when you're kind of walking up? It's great to get the photo, but until someone actually points it out and kind of explains what they are and, uh, and everything like that, then you don't even realize what you're missing, I think. So it's great to have local guides in, in all parts of Japan. Absolutely. And what you guys are doing is you you are offering people the information if they want to go self-guided and some insights there. But having someone with you as you're walking around, an insider who really knows some great stories to tell you, some of the hidden history or heritage or folklore that's connected to the place, it really adds a huge amount to the overall experience, right? Yeah, I agree. I like whenever I go on holiday, if there's a particular place, um, I might not be a, a, have someone with me the entire time. Um, but when there's a particular place I'm really interested, I, re interested in, I just think it's so fantastic to have um, kind of a local guide who can just really kind of get you beneath the surface and, and kind of um, show you things that you didn't even know, even know were there. Absolutely. And that brings me to my next point that I like that you guys are doing. Uh, you really collaborate and encourage people to stay at small and independent places. Um, so that feeds in better to the local community support, uh, working with hiring of local people. So you're helping uh, their job situation and the economy. And there's so many great sustainable support features by doing that. Yeah, I agree. I think no trip to Japan is complete without a, like a local stay in a Ryokan or a Minshiku or something like that. And um, I just feel like you get so much more out of the experience um, by staying in kind of a, a local a local Ryokan or, or something like that. Um, seeing much more local life, it, you get so much more interaction with the host and things like that. You get to learn so much more. Um, and yeah, like you said, it has so much better impact on, on the local economy. Um, it encourages small businesses and things like that. So there's so many kind of beneficial things from, yeah, just being, staying, staying local rather than in, in the chain hotel down the road, which, um, there are plenty of in Japan. So it's always nice to, to choose someone, someone local. Yeah, definitely. And to have that really unique experience. Of course, uh, when people are in Tokyo or the bigger cities, uh, it might be fun to try a capsule hotel or a business hotel or, or a love hotel um, <laughs> as an added value experience because th this is high-tech Japan that you see in the movies, right? But when you're going to these rural destinations, you're not going to have that connection to the local culture and local people without connecting through a local place to stay, right? Yeah, I think that's that's a real kind of craft of, yeah, deciding where you're going to stay when. So when you're in Tokyo, what type of accommodation you're going to stay in when you're out in Tokoro Nogawa Onsen or something where you're going to stay. Um, and so, yeah, finding the right place for the right uh, location you're in, I think, is really important. Yeah. Nice. Also, uh, another feature I read on your uh, sustainable tourism page is about sending people their own set of maihashi as they travel around Japan. So instead of accepting the waribashi, the one-time use uh, wooden uh, chopsticks, which often is imported wood, even from rainforest in Japan. A lot of people think it's just waste wood, but there has been uh, research that it is the cheap ones are coming in from other countries. So it is better to use your own if you can, right? And you guys have been encouraging that aspect. Yeah, a hundred, yeah, hundred percent. I think um, I it. It is such a shame that kind of waribashi are, are so prevalent still in Japan. And I think um, it could be made so much simpler just kind of by providing people with, with them. And if the restaurant doesn't provide them, just having um, a pair of chopsticks in your bag, reusable chopsticks, um, is such a key tip, I think, if you want to kind of travel around Japan more sustainably. Um, so it's something that we'll always encourage on our small group tours as well. We'll often go down to um, a local store or something. It's great to like, it, lots of people start their trip in um, Tokyo 
So going to down to like Asakusa or something like that, and and going to the the kitchen district and and kind of seeing um, loads of different stores, and you can get some fantastic chopsticks, and then you can take them home as a memory as well. So it's kind of like a a two in one. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, whenever anyone comments, like even Japanese people, when they comment about me pulling out my own my hashi, my own chopsticks, and then I always say, well, it's like the old samurai, right? Like the samurai would never accept the hashi from someone else, like, because it might be poisoned or that was their standard, right? This is old Japan style, back to the Edo Jidai. You would never have, that would only be for the highest class people would have some wood that they would dispose of right away, you know? So it's, it is connected to Japanese culture. Although modern Japanese convenience culture has become more wasteful. If we look back at more traditional practices, that's more sustainable, all reusable. And then it connects the visitor more to what they're interested in when they're traveling in Japan too, right? Yeah, exactly. I think, um, the what I love kind of the the kind of contrast between modern and traditional in Japan I love that the traditional is still there for, particularly from a sustainability angle because you can always draw on having that kind of traditional sustainability angle I mean kind of like what we were talking about with the use of bamboo and things like that the fact that we haven't gone completely into this modern convenience culture I think is so important um, and it's really important to, to kind of draw out the the, the sustainable things that we did have um, in kind of a more traditional Japan and the fact that it's still there and we can still talk about it and it has all these cultural aspects as well rather than just being something that's less wasteful. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you also encourage people to have their own drink bottles and refill with, with tea or water along the way? Exactly. Yeah, we do. Um, we encourage all, all our clients as well. And I mean, apps like MyMizu, we always encourage our clients. And uh, when I lead tours, I, I think it's like a really fun, exciting thing to be like, okay, guys, open up your phones and we're going to see who can find the, the MyMizu spot, which is located here. And um, it's kind of like a mini competition between between clients to try and find find the water refill spot and everything. And I mean, the water here, is much tastier, I think, than in the UK. I think it's really, really nice water. Um, and so I've never had an issue with, um, I've got my got my bottle right here, so <laughs> even in hotels and stuff. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a really funny experience to, to go searching for my Mizu spots. Yeah, and using the My Mizu app, I have discovered some great little cafes, uh, lobbies of hotels, uh, also parks, uh, water fountains. And sometimes Japanese people seem very confused about why it would be difficult to fill up. And I just challenge them. I say, just try not to buy anything from a drink machine for one day, and then you will notice that it's not as easy as you might think, like a lot of the parks they don't have the water fountains anymore for some reason or there is a real push for the drink machines to be like the way to get your drinks but recently i've noticed all the drinks in the drink machines are plastic and we know that they're not those plastic single-use bottles are not being recycled it's less than 20 percent that is actually being recycled so it's much better if you could buy glass or metal, or even better, the best, 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 just refill your own bottle or buy a drink in a reusable container, like those old style retro Coke machines. They're reused bottles, right? Or Kirin beer in a big bottle, those are reused. Sake in the big bottle, those are reused, right? So having those insights about where Japan is and where we can be and what choices we can make, it's really a good part of having a local guide too, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think like particularly when you come visit Japan, I mean, everyone knows about vending machines in Japan. Everyone wants to go and get a, a drink from a vending machine in Japan or something else from a vending machine in Japan. Um, and they are just everywhere, aren't they, vending machines? Like you get off the train and there's one and the, well, there's three on the platform and then you go up onto the uh, the station concourse and there's another one and then another one as soon as you get out the door. So um, it, it can, unless you kind of know, again, what to look for, 
um, and you have the MyMizu app or you know which um, places are going to be able to fill up your water bottle for you and, and things like that, um, it can be very easy just to, before you even know it, and because you can kind of throw away your your water, your vending machine plastic bottle quite quickly, um, you don't actually realize how much plastic you would accumulate in a day, let alone a kind of a two-week tour that you, you would come on with, with us. So we always kind of say at the beginning of the tour, um, we have small groups of, of up to 12 to 14 people. And we say if, if you had, if each person here had only two drinks a day, um, which is quite low, um, if you had two bottles a day, we would accumulate so much within just the space of two weeks. So you have like 48 plastic bottles um, just between our small group. Um, and that could all be solved just by having um, your own my my bottle or, or or buying something that's kind of reusable instead i would love to see the addition of where can i refill my own coffee cup because there yeah most cafes they will read your own coffee cup i know starbucks stopped for a little while during coronavirus but now you can do uh refills your own coffee cup again but some convenience stores allow you to and other convenience stores don't. So it would be nice like to have a local guide that says, oh, you can refill your own coffee cup here. You know, like it having that local insight also helps there. Yeah, I agree. We need to get on to, to Robin Lewis and the My Mizzy team and see if they can <laughs> come up with a nice coffee. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm such an addict. I'm such a coffee <laughs> addict. And if people don't realize when they come to Japan, there's so much great coffee here. You know, like it, it is tea culture, of course. We have a lot of great tea, but we also have so many like artisan coffee shops, so many great little cafes to pop into, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you could go exploring in, I mean, particularly like the, the cities like Tokyo and things, you could go exploring for hours and hours and hours for um, finding kind of great coffee spots and things. And so, yeah, it's, a, it's another thing that I think people don't really realize but when they come to Japan about about the coffee culture is, is really big here. Yeah, for sure. And they do it so well, so delicious. Um, another, like the coffee, a lot of the coffee shops, the small artisan ones, they also buy their coffee beans uh, direct. So it's it's not maybe officially fair trade, but a lot of them are doing direct trade and they're very proud of telling you about it. And that's where that language hurdle and having a local guide who understands the language also helps you even at a coffee shop, get that deeper level of experience, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. You'd have you'd have no idea. You wouldn't really be able to tell between between coffee shop A and coffee shop B down the road, kind of which one um, has kind of has local employs local people. Which one you might even know not know which one is a chain and which one isn't a chain. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's great to kind of be able to kind of connect people to um, kind of local vendors and things like that, and learn a bit more about not just their sustainability practices, but kind of everything that they, they do and why they're doing it and why they own a coffee shop, um, what got them into it. Um, because I think you'd may, you'd learn so much more and, and have much a, more of a cultural understanding if you're able to, to talk to locals. Definitely. And that, that you're not just a coffee barista, right? Like the, to get that added story. Oh, this guy, he's a great saxophone player. Or he's also, uh, this woman, She's she also is really good at hula. Hula is really popular in Japan. Like there's all these local insights that you would never es expect. But when you're walking around with a local, it makes a big difference, right? Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, particularly Japanese people are quite, uh, they're not very forthcoming with anything that's outside of, um, particularly when it's in a service role. Um, I just, just going back to the UK over, over Christmas, I noticed kind of how much more kind of just chatty, I think, like a lot of um, people were and like they were just kind of giving forth kind of what they were doing, whether it was in the queue for the PCR test or something like that. Someone was kind of telling me what the, where they'd been and things like that, um, even though they were supposed to be working. And so I think um, it can be quite hard, particularly if you don't speak much Japanese, to kind of um, get more information out of uh, the the kind of lives that of the people that you're you're interacting with. Um, and like you said, it's not just about buying a coffee. That person has a whole really interesting life. That um, even if you spend two minutes chatting to them with um, an, a, an interpreter or a guide or something like that, you it really adds so much more to the experience. 
Absolutely. Uh, even when I was taking uh, students around Japan who were studying tourism and getting them to interact with local people, it's, it's really hard for Japanese people. But once they do it, they love that connection, right? And how many international travelers have I met who've been in Japan for about two weeks by the time they get to Hiroshima? And the first thing they say is, oh, it's so nice to talk to someone. I feel a little bit lonely in Japan. Nobody's talking to me. And I always say, you should just strike up a conversation. Like, even if it's in really basic English, usually someone in the area will come up and they can speak English and help you. Like, just try that reaching out. And my students always commented, wow, Joy, you talked to everybody. You didn't know him, but you just started talking to him. And I was like, yeah, you can try it too, you know? <laughs> and uh, I think, yeah, like, it's, like Japanese people can, can often be quite, reluctant to take a first step but once that step is taken like you just kind of see almost the whole face changes and they have this kind of this kind of freedom washes over them and they're suddenly like really free to kind of talk about things and, and ask you questions and things um, and they love it every time yeah when you kind of start to open up to people they they really do respond I think so um, yeah it's some of my best memories have been when I've seen clients been able to kind of um, in, start to engage with with kind of local people themselves and and open up and things so and that's part yeah. that's such a big part of travel i think is interactive absolutely absolutely um i was happy to see that you are uh introducing a lot of experiences as well uh to people through your travel tours and even self-cater tours getting that introduction out there i think here is an indigo workshop uh and it looks like you're engaging with local artists. And Indigo is one of those things I'm really excited about in terms of sustainable travel because it has the potential to be so beautifully circular, right? You can grow it without pesticides. You can use it without it being toxic to you or anybody around you. And you can dispose of it through the normal streams or nature without causing any damage and you're creating this beautiful, culturally rich part of Japanese culture. You can see behind me, I have my indigo dyed noren. I, I just love indigo so much. Yeah, I think that's, that's just another example, right, of kind of drawing back on kind of traditional Japanese culture and you're getting the cultural element of it, but you're also getting the sustainability element of it as well and kind of that that circular economy and kind of like concepts like motainai and having that kind of circular um, kind of life of um, of objects and, and kind of respect for them and everything like that. I think you can really draw it out of Japanese culture and so many different kind of traditional elements um, that I think travel experiences can be really important in providing visitors with that, but also in, in terms of keeping these practices alive as well and kind of showing reflecting their importance back onto the the people that are offering them and the people that that live here kind of saying we do really value this um, and we want you to keep doing it because um we are really interested in it and it has all these other values as well like sustainability absolutely uh we had a great comment from marion on youtube thanks for joining marion she says i'm downloading the my mizu app as i listen and totally agree on the my coffee cup app yes right let's do that <laughs> i think we're on to a business here, Joy. <laughs> yeah well my mizu they've already got the network they could expand on it maybe Definitely. um but marion has reminded me marion and uh her colleague introduced a place in Kamakura that's also introducing so many beautiful experiences to visitors. Uh, Kamakura Mind. Oh, and uh, that was a great talk. We're going to have to get Marion and her partner on again. Uh, but one of the things that they introduced, which now I think about it, is another thing I love. I don't know if you guys offer is Kintsugi. So the repairing of the pottery, the broken pottery. Now there is in traditional Japan, and I know Muji in Shinjuku is offering like a very expensive version of this, um, but just the idea of having a traditional way to repair pottery where you're going to enhance it by using it longer is just such a beautiful example of sustainable Japan, right? 
Yeah, I, I agree. It's like yeah, another example of kind of this kind of traditional um, method, um, which can be sustainable, but also really fun. And like, what an incredible experience. Um, like some of the places that we use, um, you can even bring your old pottery from home, take it with you to Japan and then craft it and then have it sent back later once it's been in the kiln and stuff. I think like how incredible, like you would treasure that forever. Whereas before it was just kind of um waste basically because it was it was broken pottery you couldn't really use it and now it's probably going to be the the main thing on your mantelpiece or something so i think it's it really helps you kind of look at um what is a way what is waste and what is useful and and kind of what is beautiful and what is valued so um yeah uh definitely uh, and having those experiences like you guys are introducing so well um, is so valuable for people visiting. They don't want to just see the sites. Of course, they want to see the sites, but they also want to experience and engage with things in their own way. It's very subjective, right? And that's such a key part of being a good travel business like you guys are. Yeah, I think, yeah, you don't really experience a culture until you properly kind of get your hands dirty, I guess. You really want to get like a hands-on experience. And then um, I think particularly with a, a culture like Japan, if you're coming from from the Western, it's a very kind of different and for some people quite inaccessible culture at the beginning. Once you've had that kind of first experience and you're like, wow, I can actually like do this with my hands and I can kind of create this or um, play the drums or something like that, you you really kind of, I think you're kind of the, sh the shutters are kind of opened and you're like realize that there's whole world of, of opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one other interesting thing that you guys are doing is the echo cards. So this in my mind is very closely connected to uh, allergy problems or, pe or people who choose to be vegan vegetarian when they come to Japan. It's not easy right? Um, and you guys are offering this added value of the service by sending people, I assume, Japanese or bilingual cards to help them clearly communicate how they want to travel more sustainably. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, one example of those is, is on our small group tours. We um, give people a, a little card which slips perfectly into their wallet purse um and it says like i don't need a bag like or um and it's got a little picture of a bag with so it's um yeah so they can they know what they're, they're they're giving over as well and i mean this was kind of before um the the law which kind of outlawed um certain plastic bags although you still do see them a little bit too much i think um so i think there's definitely still a place for the for the little echo card but um, and people found them so useful because um particularly in a, in a shop environment, um, in touristy areas uh, in particular, people kind of want to get the transaction done as soon as possible. They just put it into a plastic bag before you even know what you've bought, how much it was. You're kind of walking away with a, plastic, a water bottle in a plastic bag or something like that. So um, just being able to kind of give the card over with your money um, really kind of helps. It, it doesn't slow down the process. Of, it doesn't inhibit the the vendor or anything like that they can just say oh you don't need a bag perfect um because uh, lots of people are kind of worried about the uh, the language barrier both from visitors and also from from vendors as well they don't want to get caught in this miscommunication and kind of make offense or anything like that so it's a really clear easy way to just be like i don't need a bag i'm good i can just take it with me um without causing a big um mess <laughs> yeah that's a great, great idea. Um, having that clear communication. And I, I think this is this is one of the hurdles of omotenashi in Japan, right? Is providing service without asking. Like providing ser service assuming that that's what the customer wants, right? Is, is part of omotenashi or high quality service. But that can often lead to wasteful things like over packaging or putting it in a plastic bag really fast without asking. Um, certainly that rule last year coming into effect has had a positive effect, but it still happens too much, right? So if you have a card and you say, I don't need a plastic bag or, I don't need uh, you to change my sheets and towels every day as you check into a hotel. 
this really helps have that clear communication so that the uh, provider who wants to provide such high quality experience to the guest knows what the guest wants, right? I, I'm going to do a, an SDG seminar next week. And one of the things I'm talking about is how more than 50% of all the people surveyed abroad get really angry if you stop them from being sustainable. So this is definitely going to have an effect when people are visiting Japan. If they are stopped and thwarted and tricked into being unsustainable, that's going to reflect really badly on the business, you know, and that, that so that clear communication is so key, right? I agree. Yeah. And that's such an interesting st statistic, because I think particularly probably in the, even in the last two years, I think lots of people have really been kind of reflecting on how they live their lives um, and trying to implement kind of more sustainable things in their own lives. And then to kind of go on holiday and um, have those choices almost taken out of your hands again and, and kind of have unsustainable kind of wasteful things thrust upon you. Um, I think that would that would really annoy me as well, um, particularly if I can't kind of communicate why I want to do this or what I want to do um, and kind of walking out of a, a, a store with what I wanted, but also like a whole bunch of packaging in a plastic bag and um, it's taken 10 minutes longer than it would have done otherwise. I think, um, yeah, clear communication and kind of understanding both sides um, is really, really key. Yeah. And plus, you're by doing this card uh, strategy, you're helping to plant the seed of an idea in the vendor as well. So they're starting to understand not only the consumer, but they're also starting to be able to think about a more sustainable way. And maybe they hadn't thought of that before, right? So there's like a double side of the wonderful service and reason to do this. I love it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a really good example of how kind of individual practices can lead to kind of process changes and things. And um, if that vendor um, suddenly sees maybe five people, then 10 people a day, then 15 people a day presenting them with this card or telling them that they don't need a bag, that's really going to change their thought process. Um, and the process in the shop of being like, oh, maybe I just don't, I don't need to do this anymore. Or maybe I should ask first um, and things like that. And so, yeah, I think it can have a really big really big impact yeah absolutely a great comment from nicole hakase on youtube thanks for joining uh, she says it must be especially hard with coronavirus too since even more plastic seems to be required for sterilization that's so true isn't it yeah i yeah i agree and i think that the kind of particularly trying to be cautious about certain things and kind of assuming that People want everything wrapped in plastic to, to kind of be, be more careful and, and things. Um, but I think there are certain places which where you can kind of be, again, be creative. Like if we go back to um, washing your hands at the shrine, that could have all been kind of plasticed up and, and things, but they actually found a really creative way to um, still get the same service, but um, also without kind of being wasteful and using loads of plastic. Yeah. Don't you love innovation? Yeah. Like in all its forms, when it works and someone is so creative to think of a new way of doing, which is so much better. And uh, one, one thing that I often think back to is there's so many great innovations in 20 years ago that we can bring back. We already know that they work, but for some reason we've gotten away from that. Uh, so I think especially in Japan, like going back to certain traditional things, which are more sustainable is also another great idea. Uh, we were talking about plastic cones before, so I just wanted to show that you can use bamboo as a barrier. You don't have to use the plastic cone, and it's so much more aesthetically pleasing. I love this uh, post that you did on Instagram talking about don't forget to look down that the paths themselves are so aesthetically pleasing and beautiful in Off the Beaten Path Kyoto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love kind of that's one of my favorite things about gardens, actually, is, is the paths that you, you follow. And yeah, you can get distracted by the koi and the trees and the plants, but actually kind of just the path itself is, is a work of art in a lot of ways. And so a lot of kind of thought and creativity has gone into that. So, um, yeah, don't don't be afraid to look down.
Yeah. Oh, great question from Chuck Kayser in Shiga, who's an organic farmer. Uh, does he do any farm tours? Good question. We do have farm hands-on farm experiences and farm stays and things like that in, in lots of our tours and, and things. So yes, we 100% do work out all over the country. Yeah. Um, one example is, yeah, in our small group tour, we in our new small group tour, um, walking the Nakasendo, we have um, yeah farm stay and, and thing in there in, in there as well. So um, yeah, plenty of examples for people not just to see like a rural way of life, but also we how we're talking kind of a hands-on experience. Really, kind of getting your hands dirty is a, a really good way of experiencing um, and interacting. Again, it's another great way of interacting with local people. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing that I, I really appreciate that you guys are trying to do is encourage people to have longer stays. The whole idea of slower travel. Can you talk on that a little bit? Yeah, so I think particularly being a, a travel company who really wants to kind of be sustainable, um, there's kind of always this this way up of um, the unavoidable of trying to um, get to your destination. <laughs> Um, which will at the moment involve flying, um, which as we know is not not great at all for the environment, but the positives of of travel um, can really outweigh that. And so it's kind of making sure that you're extending those positive things for as much as possible and making the most of, of your trip really. So um, again, it's not, there are so many benefits to it's not just about being sustainable. It's about you get a more in-depth experience. You get to interact with local people more. If you're around in, a, in an area for two or three days rather than two or three hours, people are going to start getting used to you and, and open up to you a lot more. Um, so there's a lot of kind of cultural things that you can get out of it, experience things that you can get out of it. Um, and it's, yeah, really trying to think about what's my impact um, and how can I make sure this has as much of a positive impact as, as possible um, rather than kind of just, well, it looks great on Instagram, so I'm going to fly over there and then I'm going to fly up here and then I'm going to fly down here. Um, so, yeah, that's the, that's the idea. Making it slower, uh, take your time, uh, engage with local people, local culture, experience things, and you're you're gonna enjoy it so much more as a visitor, and you're gonna leave a more positive impact um, on local communities as well, right? Yeah. I love uh, your your UNESCO World Heritage uh, focus tours. It's a great, great way for people to think about not only the main spots and the the clickbait, like you you see everybody all the same photos all the time, right? Um, but when you go to these places, they're harder to get to, so it it takes more time. So spend more time enjoying it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you're gonna go all the way there, like, why would you just want to spend five minutes and then have to get back on the train or, or the bus? Like, yeah, spend maybe spend the night before, spend the night after. Um, look at like local towns and things around the area, which might be really, really close, but actually have hardly any kind of positive impact from being right next to a UNESCO heritage site or or a wonderful site because people kind of just pass through. So. Um, I love all of your your focus on more sustainable travel. It's so it's so wonderful to see, and I I think we're going to start seeing the major players as well talk about sustainability more. I hope in in travel because it is such an important thing to continue traveling. And I think some people say, oh, we don't need travel anymore. Now we have coronavirus. It's it's too risky to open the borders. But I find so much of the interpersonal connection across borders, across cultures, across countries to be so important if we're gonna have a world we wanna live in in the future, right? I 100% agree. It's so important to understand each other a lot better. And um, I've, the last kind of couple of years when we've had that choice of travel taken away from most of us, um, uh, how kind of insular more people have become um, and how we've been craving this interaction. Um, and so as soon as places have decided to open up, people have really responded well and kind of, it's not just about 
getting away to a beach and sitting on a beach for, for two weeks, people have been really craving interacting with people, talking with people, learning new different things, having new experiences. Um, and so I think, yeah, while there are environmental negatives at the moment from um, particularly transport to and from the destinations that we love going to, um, there are so many positive impacts, not just personally, but I think it's going to have a really big impact on on the world as well as and, and how we see it. Absolutely. Um, Neko Hakase, great uh, comment again. In tea gardens, much money is spent on the arrangement of stones and moss on the path. It's not arbitrary. Happy to see you are drawing attention to it. Yes, indeed. And appreciating it. I uh, had a great talk with On Design Kyoto, Andrew, and he does virtual tours through the, the gardens of Kyoto. And he has so many wonderful insights because he was a landscaper himself. So he knows all the pains that it takes to make it so beautiful and natural and aesthetically pleasing, right? So that was great insight. That's a, Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, and I think that's another example of why you want to take a little bit more time and travel a bit slower. If you've only got five minutes to get through a garden, um, then you might not be appreciating everything that's there, but kind of taking the time, slowing down, looking around you um, can have some really big benefits and make you appreciate things a little more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing, uh, you guys talk about your social impact as a business, uh, supporting Second Harvest. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we've been involved with Second Harvest for quite a long time now. Um, so we provide kind of vol volunteering as well from our staff, but probably the biggest way that um, we're able to work with Second Harvest is um, we use, uh, well, our clients can donate their IC cards at the end of um, their trips. So your IC card is kind of like um, your Oyster card or your transport card, which you can, you can use to kind of tap in and out um of trains and public transport all around the country uh, and so we provide all our clients with these um, before they arrive in japan or arrives at their hotel um, and they can use it to get around the country um, and lots of people when they're finished usually would just be like oh it's a bit of plastic um it's quite you can get a bit of money back from it at like certain jr places it's a bit of a faff when you just want to get your flight home lots of people just leave it in their wallet forget about it throw it away um, and they kind of forget maybe there was still like a thousand or two thousand yen on there even if there was nothing you can still get the 500 yen um, deposit back um, and actually when you think about the number of travelers who travel to japan and throw that away that's all this money could have actually been gone to um, places like second harvest who do such an incredible job um, as one of the only few food banks in in japan and, and in tokyo um, and yeah. so, yeah, I think. And they're really, really tackling the food waste issue as well, right? It's providing food to people who are food insecure, but it's also helping restaurants and supermarkets and businesses to tackle that horrible level of food waste we have in Japan. I think it's like 40%. It's way too much. So thinking about how we can use the food we have more efficiently is such a great part of the work that they do. So it's wonderful to see you guys supporting them. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, um, I think particularly in the, the tourism industry as well, it's kind of can be notorious for um, things like food waste in hotels and things like that. So I think it's really important to draw attention to that issue and also the issue that lots of people when they come to Japan and come to Tokyo, they, I mean, you wouldn't really have any idea that there are um, quite a large number of people living below the poverty line and not having enough to eat, which you would not expect. And so I think it draws attention to both kind of lots of different issues and what people are doing to, to address them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Marion has a great comment, I think, about our slow travel conversation. And she says, do less, enjoy more. I say this, but it's so hard to choose what to introduce to guests. So much about Japan that I want to share. It's so true, isn't it? Um, but I think if you even introduce a little bit and you do it well, then hopefully you're planting that seed of hope that the visitor can come back and enjoy a longer trip next time, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we have had, like some people have, um, of our clients have come back six, seven, seven times. 
um so yeah it's it's really really incredible how you um yeah can get people coming back because there's so many different places to to explore yeah absolutely and you know you're doing it well uh when people want to use your your travel company again and again right then yeah. that's that's the best response mm -hmm. i like also that you're trying to reduce paper uh so all of the information sent to clients is all online or through brochures um you have developed quite a few beautiful brochures that people can download um you have an e email newsletter as well is that right yeah yeah that's right and so one thing that we have been doing the last couple of years um is kind of really redoing we've taken the time um with our clients to kind of look at what we were doing before um and how we can improve it and sustainability kind of been a really big part of a lot of those different decisions so when we've been designing our new brochures and kind of sharing experiences like um this one is um kind of how can we do it kind of more more sustainably um and we've also been doing kind of lots of different certifications as well um which sounds quite boring but actually um i think it's so important because it show it gives kind of you credibility um and it helps you i mean sustainability is such kind of a, a holistic topic um and it covers so many different things um that you you can when you focus on one you can often forget about all the other different elements so having like a, a good certification um because there's quite a lot in travel um but having a good one which makes you look at all the different aspects of of what you're doing as a, as a business um the impact that you're having in in your offices the impact you're having to your the people that you work with and that you care for um and then like all the environmental things as well and your destination and your waste and things um i think is really really important so that's kind of a really big thing that we've we've wanted to focus on the last couple of years yeah, it's great. It's really important. And the way that you've done the brochures really beautifully uh, with gorgeous photos and great uh, graphics, as well as very good text that makes you want to read it. And I think this is still a hurdle in Japan for pitching the right kind of English, right? Not trying to mash everything in there, not a direct translation from Japanese. You are talking to your guest and your potential guest that you understand, that you know what they want. And having that focus in how you write it is so difficult and so important right a, a culture that can be quite inaccessible to people in an accessible way i think is really really important um and there are so many fascinating things about about japan that lots of people don't even know about or wouldn't even consider when they first decide oh japan is a great place where i'd want to go on holiday they might have seen a picture of kinkakuji and they're like i want to go to kyoto but they have no idea of all the different things that they they, they could be doing um, and so that's, I think, what we try to kind of get across in, in the pictures um, and, and everything like that. And it all comes from personal experience. Like most of the people um, who work for Inside Japan, whether they are in based in Japan themselves or they're in the US or in the UK and some of our sales offices have all had quite extensive experience kind of living or working in, in Japan. And so it's something that people really are passionate about and, and they love. They're not kind of just selling a, a destination from a brochure that they've never been to or heard of. It's kind of a real passion project of, of what they're doing. So um, yeah, I think kind of being honest and open and, and passionate about Japan, I think is, is, yeah, what we like to do. And you do it so well. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So if you if you want more information, definitely check out Inside Japan Tours. You guys have a great presence on pretty much all of the social media, a great YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook. You've got a great website. If you sign up through the website for the pamphlets, you can also apply for the newsletter. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, you can sign up to the newsletter um, and you can also sign up to see um, when our next virtual tours are going to be out as well. So they're all free to free to watch. Um, but and yeah, really good way to kind of explore Japan um, from your living room.
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rob. And thank you so much, everybody, for joining today. Thank you so much. Cheers. Round and around and around. Are you near? Pick up your phone, dear. I've searched for hours, but you're nowhere. I found the note beside your care bear. Won't you see? Won't you see? I'll take your pain, just let me through. Don't worry, baby, I love you. Don't be afraid to tell me the truth. I dropped the armor, now I'm bolder.